This is Strange Assembly episode 284, Scooby-Doo, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there or check us out on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or whatever podcatching service you prefer. Today, I'm taking a break from my busy schedule of going through the Gen Con online event catalog for another installment in our series of What Chris is Playing While Staying Home for Safety's Sake. Today's game, Scooby-Doo, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion, works out really well for that series because playing at home involves an awful lot of playing with family. And for me, that involves not only another adult, but also a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. Scooby-Doo, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion is, as you might guess from its title, a Scooby-Doo-themed version of Betrayal at House on the Hill. Like Betrayal at House on the Hill, Scooby-Doo, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion features a group of characters who set out to explore a manor house without really having any idea what's going on. They discover new rooms, they find new paths outside, they find clues, events happen, and eventually enough pieces come together that the haunt begins. This flips the game on its head and goes from a sort of co-op, everybody's just meandering around, into a one-versus-many game that could have a variety of themes at that point. Now, if Betrayal at Mystery Mansion was just a reskin of Betrayal at House on the Hill, I'm not sure that I would have a lot of use for it. Sure, if you like Scooby-Doo, you could get a Scooby-Doo-flavored version of a game that you like, but that would really be it. But I think that Betrayal at Mystery Mansion did a good job at being a lot more than that. In particular, I think that it was able to turn Betrayal at House on the Hill into a game that retains the vibe and spirit of the original, but but is much more approachable for a younger audience. Betrayal at House on the Hill is aimed at people 12 and up, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion is aimed at people 8 and up. Now, I'm not a big believer in strictly following numbers like that. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Kids are all different. But it does show something about what the intended target of this is. And I think that they pull that off really well. If you haven't played Betrayal at House on the Hill before, you got the basic gist of the game just a moment ago. But right in this, each player takes on the role of one of the characters from Mystery Incorporated, Fred, Velma, Daphne, Shaggy, and Scooby. Uh, It supports up to five players. Each of those characters has four stats, might, courage, brains, and speed, and some sort of special ability. Fred comes prepared with an item. Daphne gets extra Scooby snacks at the start of the game. Velma gets benefits on brains rolls. Scooby is very good at moving quickly, that sort of thing. Whenever a character attempts a task, you roll a number of the custom dice in the game to try to accumulate successes. These custom dice have zero or one or two successes on them. 
initially the most common place you're going to be making those rolls is as you're moving around and discovering new tiles because many of these tiles will have events on them. So you might see a shadow in the darkness and you roll courage and if you do well you're able to stand your ground and your courage value goes up. If you do poorly you run away and your courage value goes down but your speed goes up. That sort of thing. And at the initial phase of the game, that discovery is really what it is. You have events, you discover items, and then you discover clues. When you have enough clues is when it, it flips over to the haunt. And the rules, the, the basic rules of how characters move around and make tests remain the same. But now one of the players will switch over and take the role of the monster, as it is called in Scooby. And although... The whole game is more streamlined than Betrayal at House on the Hill, and the whole game has a lighter tone than Betrayal at House on the Hill. When you enter the haunt phase is really when you start to see the ways that they have adjusted the game in order to make it more accessible for younger players. No longer is it entirely random which haunt happens. You're not going to have control over whether or not it's a pirate ghost, or a robot, or a werewolf, or more likely someone dressed up as one of those things in a rubber mask waiting to yell if it just wasn't for you you meddling kids, right? You get to semi-randomize those, though, because you pick one of five starting cards at the beginning of the game, and that sorts those scenarios, the 25 scenarios that come with the game, into different complexity levels. So if you're playing with for the first time, or if you're playing with younger players, you have the ability to choose to only have your randomized selection come out of the simplest of the scenarios, or maybe just exclude the higher level ones at your choice, right? That's, you have a control there that you don't have in the normal betrayal at House on the Hill. Uh, Additionally, it's not random who is going to be the monster. The players jointly get to decide who is going to be the monster. That lets you always have a parent be if you want to be. Depending on the age of your kids and how many times your kids have played, it may be fine for the kids to be the monster and be the one in the one versus many. But if you have younger kids and it's the first time, you probably don't want to do that. Another big thing is that there's this big moment in Betrayal and House on the Hill where the bad guy will literally leave the room and they'll take their big thick book of rules for the scenario, and all the other players will have their big, thick book of rules for the scenario, and everyone will read those separately and then come back together. And you may have no idea what the other side is actually trying to do, especially when you're the the, the other players. That's, by default, not really a thing in Scooby-Doo. You can split up like that, but it's designed to let you read all of one and then read the other so you don't end up doing something like trying to send your nine-year-old into another room to read two pages of rules text and internalize it and then, you know, come back and try to play, because that is not going to happen, at least not for most nine-year-olds. But like I said, play-wise, it captures the vibe of House on the Hill. You still have that initial moving around phase. You still have the big switcheroo. You still have the out-of-nowhere sort of conflict at the end that might take a variety of forms. They're not the same game, which is, I think, a good thing. If you're still out there looking for that more complex, more horror-filled, more grown-up version of the game, right, you're going to want to stay with just Betrayal at House on the Hill. But you know, that the whole point of Scooby-Doo Betrayal at Mystery Mansion is to be something different. And here, that gives you that same vibe, but it, it gives you 
shorter gameplay. It gives you more control over how the haunt is going to play out. It streamlines things so that you can actually involve those younger kids in it. I mean, it is Scooby-Doo after all. I know it's a, a grown-up favorite, but they, you know, Scooby-Doo is a thing that is still aimed at children. And so I really think that, that this game is very successful at what it's set out to do. Component-wise, just like a normal game of Betrayal, it has a variety of tiles that will be distributed out randomly as you're walking around and discovering places on the board. It comes with the components for five players, includes the dice, and its standees. There's a relative bunch of tokens in there, and only one of those tokens is used in every game, and that's the Scooby Snacks. Almost all of those tokens that are in there are for the use in different haunts. In this one, you might have ghosts in that one you might have alien tokens in the other one there's pizza and then there's keys and then there's evidence there's all sorts of different thing again it, it kind of illustrates the variety of the haunts available in the game uh, at least in a shallow sort of way again it's scooby-doo so if the players win expect a lot of oh it was me in a rubber mask we were trying to scare someone off so we could make a fortune if it just wasn't for you meddling kids blah 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 Although I overall think the components did a good job, one thing I, I didn't like about the components was they have these little plastic clips, black plastic clips, that you put on the edge of the little player pentagons to track what the values of your various attributes are. These are a little too tight, I think, and so I don't know about anyone else, but I personally had a hard time getting them on the boards without damaging it. I kind of had to like pry the clip apart. And then because the attributes are written right along the edge of the player boards, when you put the clip on, it then covers up the word. That wasn't a problem for me because I just remembered which side they were on, but it was more of a problem for the younger players. And so we had several interactions where it was like test speed. Well, which one speed? Well, well, it's the one that says speed, and then my spouse having to say to me, the child can't read that because it's got the clip on. So it would have been nice if those clips, instead of being black, were the same transparent plastic that the plastic clips to hold the standees are. That would let you have actually seen the attribute from the edge, which it wasn't a, a big thing, but it was a minor annoyance there with a component that could have been done a little bit better, especially to help out the younger kids. But that minor component quibble is really the only thing I've got in what was just a really effective implementation of the concept. Like I said earlier, this would have been really disappointing if it was just Betrayal at House on the Hill with Scooby-Doo characters painted on the front of the box, but it's not. It captures the vibe of Betrayal at House on the Hill while delivering it to a younger audience, which is, I think, what they were setting out to do. Scooby-Doo Betrayal at Mystery Mansion is not out yet. It releases on July 24th, 2020 from Avalon Hill. Uh, of course, remember, a lot of your local game shops are still out there trying to keep their heads above water. Even if, if they're not fully open, they're surely doing curbside pickup and that sort of thing at this point. So, you know, check it out at your local game store if you can. If not, you've got the mass market options. That's all for today. Over the next couple episodes, we'll probably be talking about another spooky game with the word mansions in the title, and then 
the jumpstart set for Magic the Gathering. But until then, you've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there in Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, the iTunes Store, or whatever your preferred podcatching service is. Whatever your podcatching service is, but especially if it's iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we greatly appreciate it if you could leave a rating or review. That helps other people discover the show. If your preferred podcatching service is not one that carries Strange Assembly, I'd really love it if you would let me know so I can fix that situation. I can be reached at chris at strangeassembly.com. I always love to get your comments and critiques and feedback. You can also find us at the usual social media. So we are at Strange Assembly on Twitter, facebook.com slash strangeassembly, and at strangeassembly on Instagram. But for now, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.